is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening. Hello, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk, where we always talk truth about America and why it matters to you. We are dedicated to remembering why America is exceptional. And my first five tonight, I want to ask you all to just take a step back from all the tumult and chaos in Washington and remember how we felt last year when most of America assumed that Hillary Clinton was going to become president and she was going to continue, in fact, magnify the policies of the of President Barack Obama and how concerned we were about America and what we were so many of us were so active doing, working in the campaigns of whoever it was we supported on the Republican side. What we were worried about, I could you know, spend the whole two hours telling you all things I worried about. If I had to kind of distill them down, I would say worried about America just over the edge of socialism into socialism and over the edge into globalism or in a positive way. It was uh, I wanted America to reestablish, to reclaim the unique American identity that was lost in the politics of the Democrats over the last eight years and frankly longer than that. So right now people are saying I, I do another radio show sometimes and people at that show are saying, too, I'm just so sick of it. I'm so frustrated. The politics are a mess. I'm tired of Washington. I'm sick of it. What I want to inspire you to do is think about our place in perpetuating, preserving, holding on to America. What we have to be every day, conservatives who love this country, we have to be in the fight for America. That's what we're fighting for, for the idea of America. And so when you go back to that time last year when we were just so shocked and honestly relieved that Donald Trump won, even though he was not uh, the favorite candidate of everyone, he wasn't the one chosen the primary, we were so relieved because we had thought we had put a stop to the, the direction we didn't like. So now look at where we are standing right now or sitting right now in America, which is everyone's very, very deeply concerned about the country and deeply concerned about all the controversy going on in Washington. What I want to describe to you, what I think is happening in Washington, is this, it is really almost a coup, an overthrow of the Trump presidency, the endless attacks from the media, the left, the headlines every day, the, the latest news and leaks and tapes, all the negative articles. It all is really a message from the Democrat media conglomerate, because they're all just one, to say, we're not going to let this president serve his term. He is going to be removed somehow, or at least we're going to so delegitimize him that he has no power. And folks, I want you to realize this. The coup is not just against Donald Trump. The coup is against you. It's against the voters. It's against the voters who said, no, we actually do want to stop globalism. We do want to repeal Obamacare. We do want to see our country have secure borders again. We do want to have a, a defined immigration policy, and we want to have a sense of a law and order in this country. We do want to see that the um, people who have no legal right to be here uh, are removed, especially if they have committed crimes. So part of my message in my first five tonight is don't give up on this fight for America. If you think that you're committed to politics just to one person— or one set of candidates, one elected official, or even one party, you're going to be frustrated and upset and, and 
can't just feel unglued about what's happening. But if you think of yourself as a warrior for the ideas of America, then you're always in the battle, whatever the current event is. You know, Obamacare. And I also want to urge you all to, you know, for all the chaos is in Washington. I thought I had this expression where I, as I was getting ready for today, today's show, thinking about this. We need to aim our blame. We need to decide who's responsible for various things not happening that should be happening. Aim our blame, you know, focus our fire. And so on Obamacare not getting repealed, that sits at the feet of the Republican leadership in the U.S. House. They just wouldn't do what they promised the voters they would do. This was a big Trump promise. We had a prom- big Trump promise about repeal- building the wall and securing the border. I'm going to give a little bit of leeway to say maybe that's still going to happen. The ball, the wall has been put aside by all this chaos. And then the refugee effort, the uh, many people were excited about President Trump's candidacy because he said we're going to stop bringing people to this country who mean us harm. We're going to figure out a better way to vet people before they come here. And if you want to aim your blame on that one, that goes to the courts. It goes to the federal courts full of judges appointed by left-wing Obama and his left-wing allies in the Senate who filled those courts with people who think their job is to substitute their judgment for that of the president. And so they threw out those refugee orders. Aim your blame is a big thing. And the last thing I want to say in this opening segment is, beside please stay inspired to stand up for America is, I would think I say one of the things I would lay directly at the feet of President Trump, and I hope we can all help him do and feel inspired to do, is he ran on draining the swamp. And after the break, I'm going to give you just a little more vivid picture of what drain the swamp means, because that's something that's barely started. It is impeding his agenda, is contributing to the leaks. It is contributing to the perception in America that we don't have any agenda or policies in place, when in fact, President Trump is trying to push some of his policies forward. I can find lots of things to criticize about him, but he is trying to move his policies forward. We come back. I'm going to talk to you about what drain the swamp should really mean. This is Debbie Georgiatis and America. Can we talk? Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You know, my first five tonight, I just skimmed the surface of some things I want to say about where we are in America, because I mentioned people getting disheartened and just frustrated and feel like they thought, wow, we won and Trump's going to build the wall and repeal Obamacare and lower taxes and bring businesses in and he's going to do and he's going to stop the refugees from coming here. And they're watching as all these things aren't happening or most of them aren't happening or they're happening too slowly. And I'm, the other reason I want to inspire you to stay engaged and think of yourself, whether you were on the Trump bandwagon from day one or you weren't ever really in the Trump bandwagon, if you're on the conservative side, We need to be cheerleading for the ideas, the policies that we need, because the American left 
is in hyperdrive, and they will be for four years. They'll be as long as Trump or any Republican is president. They have redoubled their efforts. We'll talk later. The Democrats have actually already announced they're going to have a summer of resistance. They're going to spend time fighting with the um, everything serious that the GOP agenda is all about. So back to, you know, if you're feeling disheartened at all, I saw this poll. I wanted to just share it with you, and then I'm going to bring Lori Medina. Lori Medina is my, my roundtable today. Or we're, we're, at, we're at a table. It's like a line, because only two of us can be a line. Anyway, but um, and we are in line. Yes, we are. We are so ready. Okay. There was a poll that was really amazing from Harvard, which is, you know, no bastion of conservatism. It's obviously a radical left-wing uh, organ- uh, you know, university. But there's a Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy at Harvard. And they did a study about media coverage of Donald Trump since he was elected. They picked U.S. news outlets, CNN, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and Fox. And they basically, they assessed positive coverage or negative coverage and what percent that was. And just if you are feeling like nothing is going well, part of it probably is because the media keeps telling you everything is terrible and awful. Let me just say, even Fox, which is supposed to be the conservative one, even Fox, the percent of coverage of Donald Trump that was negative was 52%. Okay, so that's kind of close to half and half. But for example, CNN which I don't even know why it exists and who listens to it, but CNN, 93% of the coverage since Trump was elected, uh, coverage about him, negative. 93%. Same with NBC, 93% negative. When I say there is a Democrat media conglomerate out to get Trump, I am not exaggerating. So we have that the media who just, and I could read all the numbers, but they get boring on radio. I want to encourage you to understand the media is going to bring him down any way they can. They do the mountain out of the molehill thing. We're going to talk in a moment about this special counsel thing and how crazy that is. But I wanted to bring Lori in. Just a, uh, she's here for the um, roundtable. And just kind of your, um, I mean, first of all, do you hear people talking about this sense of just, I, I want to give up, I'm so frustrated? Well, you know, this this media thing. I mean, I, I think everybody has been so upset about it for a long time. And I think it, it really kind of came to fruition um, during the campaign season when everybody could see how um, everything was one-sided. But, you know, even if Trump wasn't our president, and let's say it was Marco Rubio, or let's say it was Ted Cruz, or let's say it was Rand Paul, or any any of the guys that ran, I think it would still be these same numbers. I mean, I, I, I don't think that it's a matter that it's Trump. I think it's just this is the the liberal industrial complex moving against us. Yes, against the American people. Yes. Well, I agree with that, that the media would be that way. I will say the additional problem that Trump has is that he has, beside all of the media and all the Democrat Party, he has a, a significant segment of the GOP in Washington, House and Senate, who simply did not like him winning because he was an outsider. He doesn't understand how the rules are played. He doesn't know he's not supposed to do that. He shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be doing that. They undermine him more, I think, than they would had Rubio or even you Cruz think? won. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think. They, I, I they think anybody. Speak. I think anybody that took on Washington or took on the establishment in any way, whether or not. I mean, because Trump. I mean, a lot of it has been his words, not necessarily his <laughs> deeds. Uh, but I, I think anybody that took it on, uh, they they would have this same frontal attack 
even from the GOP in the House and Senate. Absolutely. Okay. I I really don't. I think, in fact, I mean, I don't think, let me just stake my claim right here. I do not think that there's going to be any outcome of this special counsel thing involving Trump being forced to resign or Trump being uh, impeached. That is just, if we have truly lost the rule of law in this country, if we get there, because there is no basis. But leaving that aside, let me say this. I think that the... What Trump is encountering in Washington, which he just didn't know because he hadn't been there, was the depth, whatever term you want to use, the deep state, but the depth of people, the depth of the swamp in Washington that is uh, comprised of people in the administrative agencies, in the White House, in the whole executive branch, who are simply thinking, you know, we kind of run this place, and we sit here in our in our seats in um, in the EPA and the Department mm-hmm. of Justice at the yep. FBI CIA yep. and we don't really care who is president we mm-hmm. just do the same thing all right. the time yeah which is which is uh, create more change than bondage for the American people more rules and regulations to rule our lives that's what they do you're right and the thing is is you're right Trump had no idea that this existed or the depth of how you know how uh, how deep it was but a lot of us knew a lot of us knew. <laughs> Okay, that a is lot all of us true. Did know? Okay, and you know when he said drain the swamp, you and I were going, yeah, sure, yeah, yay, I loved it, yay for that, drain it. Okay, so here's a great thing. We've had Daniel Horowitz on the show, brilliant writer, conservative review. Just a, he's a thought leader at this time mm-hmm. in the in the effort to try yep. to keep our country on track. He gave some examples in an article about what it really means to drain the swamp. Because I think that, you know, maybe people thought, well, you change the heads of the agencies, Mm-mm. maybe the two or three level down. He talked about this. This is, in fact, we're going to post this article on the Facebook page of America Can We Talk and at AmericaCanWeTalk.org. He said, all people at the Department of Homeland Security who support, who are open border supporters need to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, what do you think that's like, three quarters of them? I, mean, I don't. I, I have no idea, <laughs> but I agree. I absolutely agree. He's saying, which, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples because they're really good. You've got to go beyond just the leadership and the announced policies and, and the you know executive orders. You've got to you've got to root out the mm-hmm. rot in these mm-hmm. agencies who just don't, didn't. They're not on board with the new agenda that mm-hmm. Trump is bringing, and they're going to. It's not. It's just one thing to not agree. They're going to undermine it. They're going to mm-hmm. continue doing. It. They've always another one. Other one has any person at the HHS who supports uh, government-run health care mm-hmm. needs to go. Yep. How would you even find that out? By the way, Did you ever think about that? You have to line them up and say, you know, you have to search their social media. You'd have to find. Well, you, well you're right. I mean, you're right. And, but the thing is, so many of them are so arrogant in what they believe that probably a lot of them would just admit <laughs> they it. Their right, hand right. They'd be proud to say, "Hey, I, you know, I, I believe in uh, global warming, or I believe and single in single parent. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean that, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Another one he had was any Treasury official. Any Treasury official not on board with the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, spending cuts. You got to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, and the last one he had, I mean, he had more, but I'll just, this last one I wanted to share. Um, anyone in the State Department who is a shill for refugee resettlement mm-hmm. or anyone opposed to Trump's immigration moratorium. Just all these people who don't, I mean, Trump ran. It was a real course correction election, you know, or at least what he was saying, what people thought they were getting. But to churn the ship in Washington, mm-hmm. he didn't even begin to know what he was getting no. into. No, no, not at all. 
He didn't know a lot of stuff he was getting into, well, as we're finding out. <laughs> but I, I am excited about this idea. I don't know if someone on Donald Trump's staff ever reads Horowitz. I'm going to guess he has people who scan the conservative sites and says, what are they saying? Can you tell me what they're saying? But the other thing that's happened with Donald Trump, which I think is just cannot, the importance cannot be overstated, are all the leaks. Mm-hmm. And... You know, even within that whole episode was such a big deal last week when they had Donald Trump had a meeting in the White House and it was allegedly a private meeting, like like it wasn't like open to the public and to the press. So he had a meeting with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, Sergei Lavrov, and also Russian ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak, the only other people in the room beside Donald Trump, H.R. McMaster, Trump's national security advisor, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, and Dina Powell is questionable, but yep. Dina Powell, Deputy National Secretary Advisor, National Security Advisor. So they were there, but somehow the next day, or maybe it was two days later, Washington Post claimed to have a transcript of the entire meeting. Mm-hmm. Folks, there's either one of those five people, when it's not Trump, leaking, or there's sabotage, there is recording at the in the White House. I mean, the idea that the papers are regularly recording things that everyone thought were private is all by itself. It makes you can't run the country like that. So you remember during the Bush years? Remember how it was amazing? Everybody always commented how they ran such a tight ship that there yes. were no leaks, and I mean, and it was almost a level of intimidation at some point that some complained about because that they were so fearful of leaks. They kept such a tight ship at some point, but I mean, compared to this, it's completely different. So my question is, what what do you think is causing the leaks? Love to know that we are out of time on this segment. And we come back. I want to share with you, we have a great, great guest joining us in the next hour. We have Dr. Sterling Burnett changing subjects to the climate change deal. Dr. Sterling Burnett of the Heartland Institute to talk about the climate deal. We'll go back to this in the second hour. Don't go away. Talk to you after the break. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. 
along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare. They offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis, and my right view roundtable tonight is Lori Medina. And Lori Medina. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lori is here with me. And as I mentioned right before our break, we have a guest joining us this hour, Dr. Sterling Burnett. And uh, he's joining us by phone, so unfortunately, don't have him in the studio, but he is a Heartland Institute Research Fellow on Environmental Policy. And uh, I could, he has had connection with every serious substantive. Um, think tank uh, and with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, with the National Center for Policy Analysis. He's just a great, serious, substantive thinker on the subject of the environment and the climate deal. So good evening, Dr. Burnett. Thanks for having me on. Oh, so happy you could join us. So I mentioned before our break that we were going to be talking about the Climate Accord, and I will get to that in just a moment. But I did want to give a, a moment to you to talk about the Heartland Institute, which um, is actually been rated among the top um, climate-related think tanks uh, in the country. Is that right? Well, I think, you know, I like to think we're probably the, the top uh, think tank in the country working on the climate issue. Of course, that's not the only thing we do. Uh, we and uh, a couple other groups are very good as well. We've held 12 international conferences on climate change. Um, we uh, publish on it regularly. 
um, and the Heartland Institute itself, we, we publish, we're a nonpartisan nonprofit. We're based just north of Chicago in a suburb called Arlington Heights. We were in Chicago for over 30 years, uh, but we moved last year. And uh, we deal with budgets and tax issues, education, health care, and in my area, environment issues. And uh, in that, I publish a monthly newspaper that goes to every legislator, state, uh, and federal in the country. Every state and federal administrative agency, the heads and the departments, uh, and then it's got you know several thousand other subscribers. Then I publish a weekly newsletter called Climate Change Weekly, where I summarize some of the top research that's going on in the past week or two. Well, I love that. I want to direct our uh, listeners to something you wrote, which I just completely enjoyed reading. In fact. I was thinking I was, as I was reading it, we just had company visiting us recently, a really good friend, long-term friend, and she made the comment, well, if anyone doesn't believe in climate change, I can't understand that. I mean, who could not believe in, in you know, um, she's, <laughs> so I raised my hand, me, and I said, I'll send you some links. I'm going to send her what I read today that came out of the Heartland Institute, and it was a letter that was written to um, Ivanka Trump. And um, right. yeah, and so I'd love to have you. Like, what caused you guys to write that? And I mean, to tell our listeners, if you ever need one document to lay out the yes. case that man-made climate, man-made cause, man-caused global climate change is not going to kill us all. In fact, it's not even a real thing. You know, go to this thing. So, how'd you guys? That's just a great idea. I'd well, love two, to have you talk two about things. It. Two things. First off, I'd like to also suggest they maybe go to something I wrote when I was at the National Center for Policy Analysis, called a global warming primer. And they can download that. It's just a series of graphs with one sentence, two sentences most per page, basically laying the argument out. Now, we don't deny uh, your friend, um, and I'm sure you didn't mean to imply this when you talked to your friend. Your friend said, who doesn't believe in climate change? Everyone believes in climate change. You look around and you know the climate has changed. We know that there were glaciers (laughs) in one place at one time, and they're not there anymore. And there were oceans in other places at one time, and they're not there anymore. Of course the climate changes. No one – I I think no one rationally can deny that. What we argue is that the evidence that humans are causing a current dangerous climate shift is lacking that uh, the climate change we've experienced so far has been benign. Increased CO2 is good for plants. Most of the plants on Earth uh, today evolved when CO2 levels were much higher, and at the end of the last ice age, we were almost at levels. Uh, A lot of people don't realize this. We were at uh, uh, 180 parts per million at the very end of the last ice age, and and you said, well, what does that really mean? Well, what it means is at 150 parts per million, plants can no longer process and do photosynthesis, and we die. Everyone dies. And it's been a long, slow decline from thousands of parts per million of CO2 over the course of the Earth uh, to where we are today, which is just at 400 parts per million. Uh, we, we recovered since last ice age. We were at about 280 parts per million when the Industrial Revolution took over. And we're now up to 400 parts per million. But like I said, plants were almost starving during the last ice age. CO2 is good for us. Warmer is better than colder. There's a reason people don't retire to uh, Minnesota or (laughs) North Dakota. They retire to Florida and Arizona. Uh, Cold weather kills far more people every year than warm weather. Uh, And... What we've seen is, and this is what Joe's letter gets at, it's like, look, here's how science works. 
you proposed a hypothesis to explain certain phenomena. And the phenomena they wanted to explain is the Earth had warmed over the past century on average. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really weird thing talking about average temperature for the Earth. It's, it's not like a human being where we can say 98.6 degrees is the average temperature that we expect humans to be healthy at. And if you're above that, you're not healthy. If you're below that very much, you're not healthy. The Earth doesn't have anything like that. The Earth has lots of temperatures in lots of different regions, and it's a made-up number that this is the average temperature of the Earth. They happen to choose a period uh, for what they say is the average temperature from 1960s to the 1990s. Uh, and if you choose that period, the Earth has warmed about a degree, 1.2 degrees, over the past century. And they wanted to explain why it has warmed. And the hypothesis they came up with is that car human carbon dioxide emissions are increasing, and that's true. There's no question about that. No one disputes it. Uh, dramatically, and uh, we are, and, and their theory is that CO2 is a greenhouse gas, so it's trapping more heat, and if this continues, we'll all fry. Uh, the glaciers will melt, the seas will rise. Uh, pick your Old Testament uh, plague, it's going to happen because of human-caused global warming. And governments got in on it. Now, you've, you've got to remember, these are the same governments that were funding research that were warning us of the next ice age in the mid-'70s because we had a cooling period from the 40s to the 70s. Um, and they set up a commission under the United Nations. It's called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Now, notice the name. It's not the Scientific Panel on Climate Change. The <laughs> Intergovernmental inter Panel on Climate Change. It was set up by governments to study a question that governments put forward. What's the human cause of climate change? Well, if you're a scientist and you're given a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And they were. The hammer was, what are the human causes of climate change? They weren't asked to study climate change and what it could mean. They weren't asked to look at the natural sources of climate change. What are the human causes? The assumption from the start, the politically imposed assumption from the start was that humans were causing climate change, and it was dangerous. So if that's your assumption and the, and the research dollars are going to flow to people who follow that assumption and go away from people who want to talk about the natural causes because the Intergovernmental Plan on Climate Change ain't studying the natural causes, <laughs> then you know what the answer is going to be. That was a fabulous uh... Uh, description of, of many points that I was going to be asking you about. So that was just really, really good. And this article okay, I'm mentioning. No, 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 it's great. Get, I want you to roll. We didn't get to Ivanka. We didn't get to Ivanka. So, yeah. So how come you're picking on poor Ivanka? No, we have two minutes in the segment. Go ahead. Okay. Well, well she is a, is a big follower of Al Gore. Yeah. She believes that humans are causing dangerous climate change. She's caught up in it. And she's advising the president not to get out of the Paris Climate Agreement, not to scrap the Clean Power Plan, basically to lock up America's domestic energy resources and, and put us at the mercy of foreign sources of energy. She's in favor of that. And we were trying to explain why her father's right and she's wrong. The fear of climate change, the, the need to be so fearful of climate change that we can't use our own energy resources and can't put people back to work in America, that's a hoax. That part is a hoax. Climate change itself is not a hoax, but that humans are causing catastrophic climate change, that we need to uh, cut back on our energy, our fossil fuel use, and move to resources, you know, energy resources like wind and solar that, you know, are intermittent, that aren't reliable, 
that's crazy. And that's what Joe's letter tried to convince her by going through a lot of the different data points showing if your theory is humans are causing climate change, then these are the predictions they make as to what should be happening. And guess what? All the predictions are wrong. That was one thing I really— against reality is wrong. Yeah. We're speaking, if you've just tuned in this evening, we're speaking with Dr. Sterling Burnett. Um, he is with the Heartland. He's a Heartland Institute Research Fellow on Environmental Policy, long uh, political, long uh, career in, in analyzing environmental policy and understanding the data underlying all the environmental concerns. And when we come back from the break, we're going to he's going to you're going to hold on during the break, right? Sure. I'm, I'm here for the half hour. You asked me to start. Good. Okay. We come back. I want to talk a little more about the Ivanka letter and then just talk about how do we get ourselves back out of the climate deal? How do we get ourselves to where we are free from this deal and can actually put Americans, more Americans, back to work in the free market, fossil fuel-based American economy? Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in healthcare, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition in the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact... 
First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. My roundtable buddy tonight is Lori Medina. And we have online Dr. Sterling Burnett, who is with the Heartland Institute. Uh, he's their fellow on environmental policy and in just a fount of knowledge on everything related to the whole issue surrounding climate change. I want to dive in, though, Dr. Burnett, to, you know, so we, we saw that President um, Obama signed on to the Paris Accord and is right on on step with the lefties about having all sorts of international control over the environmental issue. And I think most conservatives would say, you know, we got to get out of that somehow. And I actually appreciate it. You spelled out for us. You wrote an article in the Heartland Institute called Path from Paris, talking about how do we extract ourselves from this environmental extremism? Can you want to just tell our listeners about that? Well, before we talk about why and how to get out, we should probably at least describe what Paris is a bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. Definitely. Uh, I'm not going to assume that all your listeners uh, have followed as closely as I do. Uh, the, the Paris Climate Agreement, they don't call it a treaty because they didn't want to have to run it past the Senate and get it approved, which it wouldn't have been. It would have been rejected. So uh, Obama, you said he signed on. No, he helped lead. That's why it's not a treaty. Right. It's an agreement. He helped write – his team helped write the agreement, and the agreement is countries around the world have to cut their emissions of greenhouse gases sufficient to prevent a two-degree rise in temperature by 2100. Uh, they'd like to go lower than two degrees. As far – the agreement is actually as far below two degrees as you can do, and they say that means – we basically have to cut 80% of fossil fuel emissions by 2050. Now, different countries have different uh, goals. The U.S. was going to have to cut their greenhouse gas emissions by uh, 25 to 28% below 2005 levels uh, by 2030. Um, now, China did not have to cut their emissions at all. In fact, 
China, which is the world's largest emitter of carbon dioxide by a large margin. They're, they're you know, uh, way ahead of us. Their emissions, they said, our, our goal is to peak emissions at 2030. <laughs> so they get to keep growing until 2030. India, peak emissions sometime in the future. That's, they're the third or fourth largest emitter of carbon dioxide, depending on whether you count the EU as one unit or the separate countries. So while our economic competitors get to grow their emissions, they get to keep using fossil fuels and pumping out carbon dioxide. We're supposed to cut dramatically. And uh, the, the amazing thing about this is, you know, ask yourself this. Just if you believed, if you truly believed carbon dioxide was causing dangerous climate change, and you're looking at China's goal, peak emissions. Environmentalists keep saying, oh, China's doing so much. China's doing so much. Hold it. It doesn't say when they'll, what they'll peak at. What if they peak at quadruple what their emissions currently are? That means the entire rest of the world could cut their carbon emissions below 2005 levels and would still be fine because they're now at quadruple. What if they just double? The point is, we don't know at what level they'll peak out, or, of course, because there's no penalties attached to not peaking at 2030, <laughs> whether they'll actually peak at 2030 or whether they'll continue to, to, to rise. Uh, the, the agreement itself, even the people who wrote the agreement, they say this will not actually meet the goals of the agreement. So we're going to have to, every five years, revisit it and ratchet down our emission goals. Uh, various economic analyses have been done of this. Uh, the Clean Power Plan was Obama's first initiative to meet the goals. Uh, that would re hit one part of our economy, the electric power industry. It wouldn't deal with fossil uh, trans uh, transportation fuels. But just that part of the plan, there have been estimates of how much it would cost, $1.23 trillion over two, 10 years, uh, over $112 billion a year. Uh, uh, one analysis. Another analysis says it's going to be about uh, 90 billion a year, so still close to you know 900 billion dollars over 10 years. That's how much our GDP is going to uh, it's going to cut into our GDP. Crazy, and what will it get us? It won't even reach the target that they set for themselves. We're going to have to go further. So Obama won't submit it to the Senate. It's not a treaty. Uh, but it's going to hurt us. So Trump, he's running for president. He says, I'm going to, it's a bad deal for America, which unquestionably it is. And he says, I'm going to get us out of it. But there are people in his administration, including his daughter, including his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, including Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, um, who want him to stay in. And then there are those that want him to get out, like Scott Pruitt. Uh, head of the EPA. Now, I, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. I want to jump in before we get um, into the getting out of it to tie something back to the, our previous segment. All of this climate deal that President Obama uh, entered um, or got into. I know we didn't didn't get ratified by the Senate, and so it's not a treaty in American under American law. But all of this it was all designed to reduce the emission of CO two. The entire deal. And and to tie back to the first uh, segment, we, when we talked with you, the entire 
um, science behind the claim that CO2 is causing or will cause tremendous damage as it will cause an increase in temperatures, it's man-caused climate change, and there'll be all sorts of uh, horrific outcomes has you, you really you're, what you we talked about in the first segment disproved all of them? Getting at the point, the entire purpose of this treaty is not clean air and clean water like people think of environmental things. Right. It is to reduce CO two, which, as we finished talking about, is in the first segment is not something that is man created. CO addition of CO two to the environment is not causing uh, you know massively destructive climate change. It's a complete. The, the premise of the whole deal is a farce. Now, the premise of the treaty is, is, is stupidity. Uh, it, it, it's the belief that people in 2017 are wise enough now to control the weather 100 years from now. Well, and it's penalizing America. I mean, let's face it. That's really what it comes down to. It's, it's, but, but, but you know what? Maybe you, uh, if you really thought you could control the weather 100 years from now, <laughs> sure. maybe you should penalize if America has caused destruction. Right. But it's ludicrous. The same models that can't predict rain a week out or that, if you're in Texas, predicted rain today, we got none, yesterday. So yesterday they were predicting rain today. We got none. But we're supposed to trust their predictions 100 years from now. Same models. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's crazy. And the thing is, Here's how science works. You propose a theory, and you test it against reality. You set up the conditions against which. You say, okay, if this occurs, that should occur. If this occurs, that should occur. And so we've got some predictions. They're all over the – it's out there. They say temperatures should be a degree hotter now than they are based on the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. So they're off by more than a degree. They say that temperatures should rise right along with CO2. But we had an 18-year period where – CO2 kept rising and temperature went flat. They say uh, the ice cap in Antarctica should be shrinking. In fact, they're adding tens of thousands of tons of ice a year. They say the increased carbon dioxide should be heating and causing more hurricanes. We are having fewer hurricanes and less intense hurricanes, despite the fact their theory, it's not my theory, their theory, says we should have more intense hurricanes now, more Category 3 and above hurricanes. We have now gone through the longest period in U.S. history since we've been recording it, uh, since we've been tracking it, of no Category 3 hurricanes. Over 11 years. That's never occurred before, despite CO2 continuing to rise. So you go prediction after prediction. The only prediction I can tell that they've gotten right is in the Arctic, where they said the ice should shrink, and the ice has shrunk dramatically. In fact, it's now where they predicted it would be 50 years from now. And what has the result been? Well, they said that once the ice shrunk, polar bears would go into decline and go extinct. Polar bear numbers have been increasing over the past 10 years of low ice. Yeah, so, you know, I love that one prediction thing. Prediction after prediction of their theory is wrong. And instead of questioning, and instead of saying, okay, how many times do they have to be wrong before you start to question the theory? You know, it's, it's, are you going to believe what I tell you about the planet, or are you going to believe what your lion eyes? And they say, believe what we tell you, forget your lion eyes. Throw out the data. What's important is what we predicted. I love all that. We're speaking with Dr. Sterling Burnett. We only have a couple of minutes left in this segment. And I, you know, I love the data that you, that uh, the author of the letter to Ivanka Trump laid out because we were talking in the break how it's so 
factual. It's not argumentative. It's footnoted. It's just logical. And it leaves a reader thinking, why did I think climate change was a big disaster? But um, and so I, I just it was a great letter. And then so and I'm glad you laid out, too, what the Paris Climate Accord uh, would do for America, would do to America. And, you know, in very practical terms, with just a minute and a half left here to the average person listening to this, why would they care whether or not America remained committed to the Paris Climate Accord? In very practical, you know, the everyday guy terms, what difference would it make? Look, ask yourself if you want lower energy costs in the yep. future or much higher energy costs in the future. Let's face it, the energy costs are likely to rise regardless. But do you want them to quadruple simply because of this treaty? Because that's what it'll, that's the impact. And if you're the poor, because energy costs are regressive, mm-hmm. it's especially going to hurt the poor the most because they spend more on their uh, on energy-intensive goods and services uh, as a percentage of their income than the relatively wealthy. Ask yourselves if you want to continue to be able to drive the car that you choose something with four doors that can haul or a a pickup truck that can haul a boat? Or do you want to drive a smart car and not just drive it, be forced to drive it? Because that's the kind of thing that's necessary to meet the goals of Paris. So it's about freedom is what it's about. If you care about freedom, if you care about having discretionary income and you deciding what to spend it on as opposed to governments deciding what to spend it on, that's why she care whether we stay in the Paris Agreement. That was so well said. We, uh, Dr. Sterling Burnett, thank you very much. Very quickly, you tell our listeners how to find your, where are you on the Internet to find your, what you write? Well, for good and for bad, I'm not a hard man to find. Uh, <laughs> you Google my name and, and you get the bad stuff and the good. But uh, go to www.heartland.org, heartland.org, and you can sign up for our weekly climate change uh, weekly newsletter. You can sign up for Environment Climate News. And, of course, I'm sure your listeners are interested in a variety of uh, public policy topics. Please have them uh, sign up for our budget, tax news, health care, education. We cover it all. If it's economic policy, we cover it. Dr. Burnett, thank you so very much. What a great, great interview. Thank you very much, sir. And, friends, we're going to zip off to a break and talk to you after the top of the hour. 